appreciate David and the praise team. Say sometimes you just get into worship. I mean, heaven is just going to be amazing, amazing, just to have that freedom to love on God and worship God. Well, I've been told today is is uh, Grandparents Day, and so to all you grandparents out there, happy Grandparents Day. And so, anyway, enjoy that. If you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to get your notes out. Yesterday we had our first uh, annual uh, poker run. Appreciate Ron uh, Spurgeon back there, kind of kind of spearheading everything. How many of you were a part of the poker run yesterday? He got fifty dollars out of it somehow through his son. I don't know how that worked out, but. Anyway, that's awesome. So I just want to give you a couple pictures. They started down at the Leslie Coffee Shop, had some biscuits and gravy. How many of you know it's always good to start an event with food? Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, had a good group there, and they headed out and made five stops. And this is more toward the end, some people heading back uh, home. Josh there, uh, Ross, got him up there on that front motorcycle heading out, so Anyway, uh, Marvin Newman was there. Marvin, uh, one of our core members here who was a part of the, of the a group of 50 or 60 who built this building. As we were sitting out there yesterday afternoon, just kind of thinking about the poker run, all the different things, I just looked at Marvin. I thought about, you know, the core of people who built this building. I said, Marvin, have you ever in your wildest dreams imagined what God was going to do when you were building that building? You know, it really is amazing when you step out and trust God. You just never know where God is going to take you. And I just appreciate the heart of, of Marvin. I appreciate uh, the core and just their willingness to trust God because you just never know. For a Baptist church to have a poker run, it has gotten out of the box. Amen? Yeah, it's gotten out of the box. So. Anyway, a lot of people don't even ask me about it. I mean, they do, we're having a poker run. So anyway, but I, I appreciate it. It was a great time. I appreciate it. By the way, I do want to, there was a rumor going around that Marvin picked up a blonde, yeah, on the poker run. And, uh, and I won't give you her name, but uh, her initials are Rose Wilson. Yeah. So anyway. But actually, when he came by here, this campus, this was the last stop before they got back to Leslie, uh, Ro Tony and Rose were here, and Tony couldn't leave. Rose wanted to go on down to Leslie, and so he happened to have a room, and so he actually rode with uh, Marvin. So I did kind of razz him a little bit about that. I said I, I may mention that tomorrow, but uh, anyway... So I appreciate Marvin. He, was a, he had a great heart. We just had a good time hanging out there and just uh, enjoying that. that uh, so appreciate Ron and his heart uh, to put all that together, and so we're excited. Today I just want to talk a little bit about discipleship. I'm going to begin a discipleship uh, small group on Wednesday night. There's going to be, uh, Kim's going to start a, a group for the ladies. I know there's going to be, uh, Alan and Bobby are doing something on Psalms 119. Uh, Pastor Bob is going to be continuing the book of Mark. There's a lot of small groups. I just want to say this church has some incredible small group leaders. I mean, more than any I've ever been around. There's a lot of different groups going on through the week. There's a lot of great Sunday school classes. And let me just say, I think everybody ought to be plugged in to a small group somewhere. It could be out in your community. You could be doing a home Bible study. I think worship is good. I love to get together and worship. 
But you know, the real growth happens in that small group setting. I see uh, Tim back there, who's a part of Celebrate Recovery. I appreciate Tim. And uh, there's something about that getting together and just loving on each other, encouraging each other. We all need that. I mean, we all need that. So again, worship is good. And it's easy to kind of hide out in worship, but in small groups, you get exposed. And what you discover in a small group is we're all the same. We're all going through the process, and we begin. I just see so many gifts of the Spirit come out in a small group, and you just begin to minister to each other, encourage each other. And it's not about who's doing better than the next person. But what it's about is helping everybody take that next step in their relationship with God. And so discipleship, and, and early on I used to see it as just you know doing your daily quiet time, having your prayer list, chop, 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 check, 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 check. But as I've gotten older, I realize it's possible to have all those things going and still not really be in love with Jesus. And so discipleship's not just about having a daily quiet time, getting part of a group and having a prayer time and all those. That's all good, but it's possible, again, to do all that and still not really be in love with Jesus. I mean, the church at Ephesus was hitting on every cylinder. They were toiling to the point of exhaustion. But they were so busy, they fell out of love with Jesus. And so real discipleship's about really focusing on the main thing, and that's a, a love relationship with God. But I was so fortunate, I'm just going to share, and I found out in the early service, I have way too many notes. How many of you know that sometimes the pastor has way more notes than what he's going to get to? All right, well, today's one of those days. So I'm going to kind of probably ad-lib just a little and back off of some of that. I came across this when I was thinking about discipleship, thinking about, you know, taking up our cross. And I, I don't know who sent this out on Facebook. It could have been somebody out there. But it came across, and I just kind of looked at it for a while. And I thought about, you know, here's a statue of Jesus falling under the weight of the cross. And this little girl just going over and help picking up the, the bottom of that cross. I love kids. Kids are just so real. But what... I just put this up, and I've never asked you guys to do this, but I want you to think about a caption. What would be a good caption to this picture, all right? And so if you have your bulletin, if you want to write a caption, if God gives you one, just tear it off, and as you're going out, there's a little basket over on my right going out, and you can put it in there. I just want to kind of look at some and maybe share a couple of them with you next week, all right? So I just thought it was kind of a neat picture of this little girl going to help Jesus carry the cross. And again, just kind of thinking about what went through the mind of that little girl as she went out there and began to help pick up that cross. All right, great picture. I don't, again, I don't know who sent it, but uh, I just liked it. And so God gave, Jesus gave us a homework assignment before he ascended to heaven, and that homework assignment was to go out and make disciples of all nations. So discipleship really is at the core of everything we're doing is helping people become disciples and, and the most simple definition of a disciple is a disciplined follower now we can be a disciple of anything correct i mean we can be a disciple of tv we can be a disciple of whatever if we're disciplining our life to follow whatever but to be a disciple of jesus is really about putting some disciplines in our life that, again, the main purpose is to develop a love relationship with God. 
I want to ask you today, would you honestly be able to say that you're more in love with Jesus today than you have ever been? You know, if we can't say that, chances are we've gotten so busy that sometimes we've put that love relationship on the back burner. And I want to tell you, it happens and it can happen to any of us. Pastors, as much as anybody, can get so busy serving God that we fall out of love with God. And so real discipleship is, again, about slowing down. It's learning how to encourage one another to develop that love relationship. But there are some disciplines involved. If somebody says, is discipleship going to cost me something? Yeah. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some discipline to be a disciple. But let me say this, the cost of not being a disciple is even greater. The cost of not falling in love with God, the cost of not putting discipline in your life to grow, I think is going to cost you more heartache, more sorrow, more turmoil, more worry. And so again, the whole thing of discipleship is encouraging one another to grow in God's love and his word. And so he, Jesus said these words in John chapter 8 as he talked about discipleship. Let's read them together. And this is out of the Amplified Bible. But would you join me as we read? If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. And so part of discipleship, obviously, is learning how to hold fast to this word. And you know, I love how the Bible describes Christian growth like physical growth. We start out as newborn babies, as Peter said, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so as a new Christian, we start out on the milk or the simple things of the word. I like what Paul said to the church at Corinth, I wanted to feed you with meat, but you weren't ready. And so he had to literally feed them with the milk of the word. But how many of you know when you're a baby, it's okay to drink out of a bottle? But how many of you would think it'd be a little bit weird if you came over to our house and I was sipping on a bottle? Anybody think, it's a little, how many of you would ask for a bottle? All right. There'd probably be some rumors going around, all right. But obviously, again, we should make progress. And I just want to say that discipleship is the incredible journey of learning how to take a new believer and to begin to feed them the milk of the word. But can I tell you, the real joy is not only to be able to feed them. And how many of you know when you have children for those early years, I mean, you've got to do all the feeding. You've got to do all the feeding. How many of you remember that first time that you took that big step of faith and put the spoon on their side of the tray? How many of you remember that act of faith? And so some food went that way, some food went this way. And a little bit of food went in. But hopefully by now, we've got this thing. And so hopefully now, most of it goes in here, right? I mean, that's the goal. And so the goal of a parent is that first, you're doing all the work. I mean, you're investing your life. You're pouring your life into that little baby. But the goal is when that baby begins to feed itself. And the goal of discipleship is to see a believer grow to the point that they're all of a sudden, they're feeding their self on the Word of God. 
I mean, that's the exciting part, to see not only somebody you've discipled grow, but all of a sudden they take someone and they begin to disciple them. That's when it really gets exciting, when you become a Christian grandparent. And so, you know, I've heard people say, man, the most exciting thing in life is leading somebody to the Lord. And that is really, really exciting. But can I tell you something more exciting to that than that, in my opinion, is to see somebody you've invested in, that you've led to the Lord, that you've invested in, all of a sudden they're leading somebody else to the Lord and they're investing in them. That's really exciting. Amen. When you become a Christian grandparent, it's Grandparents Day. So I'm just sliding that in there, right there. All right? I didn't do that in the other services, so that's a bonus in this service, all right? So if you have your notes, I want you to write these words in. And I'm going to probably freelance a little bit here, all right? So how do, we, how do we get a handle on the Word of God? Now, I've shared my testimony. I grew up in church. I was going to church nine months before I was born. Our family, my dad was a deacon. We came to Sunday school, morning worship. We came to training union. How many of you remember training union? Had training union, had evening worship. We had Wednesday night. We were at church every time the doors were open. But I think about the hundreds and the hundreds of hours that we spent at church. And yet I was amazed how little I really knew of God's word. I mean, I knew some of the same stories over and over, but I honestly did not have a really good grip on God's Word. Now, I blame myself most of all. But, you know, when I was a, a, a sophomore or a junior in high school, our church got our first youth pastor. I mean, we, I mean, we never had a youth pastor. And so the kids at church, we were just kind of all over the place. But every year we got to go to camp, and every year we would all dedicate our life. I mean, I lived the same year of my Christian life over and over and over. Here's how it went. At camp, we would all commit ourselves. We're going to sell out to God. We're going to read the Bible. I'm going to read five verses, five chapters a day. I'm going to, man, memorize, you know, 100 verses a month. And, man, we were just going to charge hell with a water pistol because we all dedicated to camp. But when we got home about two weeks later, I quit reading my Bible. I quit doing a lot of those things. I quit memorizing. I found myself just getting back to struggling. And so I lived really the same year of my Christian life. I lived over and over because I never knew how to move forward. But when we were juniors in high school, our church got our first, and I remember our first youth pastor. His name was Dennis Stone. And Dennis... He believed in small groups. He believed in investing in lives. And, and there was only three of us that met. We met with Dennis every Tuesday. He called them koinonia meetings, the Greek word for fellowship. We had koinonia every Tuesday night. And there were only three of us that met with Dennis every single Tuesday for two years. Now, many people would look at Dennis and say he wasn't much of a youth pastor because we didn't have a lot of numbers. But I can honestly say that my life was forever changed by Dennis being willing to meet with us, to love on us. He never judged us. He was always patient, and he was always encouraging. And I felt like he, he took us and just began to mold us into a love relationship with God. And I believe the reason I'm here today, one of the big reasons, is that he invested his life in me. And that's what discipleship is all about. It's about taking someone, investing your life, 
and watching them grow to become more like Christ. And so I want us to talk about six things, that, well, six ways that we can help get a grip on God's Word. All right, if you hold up your hand for a minute, your pinky, one of the ways is by hearing. All right, everybody say hear. The second finger, read. We can read and get God's Word into our mind by reading. Reading takes a little more work than hearing. The middle finger there, the word study. Studying takes more work than hearing. Hearing takes more work, or reading takes more work than hearing. Then we can memorize. Memorizing for me takes more effort because that doesn't come easy for me. Those of you who can read something and memorize it, my children are amazing at being able to memorize stuff. I envy those people. So we can memorize God's Word, we can meditate, and then the palm we can apply. And so obviously the more of these we apply to the Bible, the better grip we have of God's Word. I asked over the years, how many of these do the average Christian use? And probably most people would say most people rely on hearing more than any other way. And hearing is good, but that's only one way to get God's Word into our mind. But the more of these we apply, we obviously want to get a good grip on the Word of God. And that's what we want to invest in other believers, all right? So Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now this guy probably won't get much out of the service, all right? How many of you have ever fallen asleep during a message? Some of you are asleep right now, all right? So you don't know what I'm saying, but I can tell someone. I have fallen asleep. How many of you know there's an art to sleeping? How many of you know there's an art to sleeping, all right? So you want to bow forward and look like you're praying, all right? It always looks good. It's that drool that's coming down that always gives you away. But obviously, this guy won't get a lot out. Now, again, growing up in church, if I'm being honest, I, I, I find to endure the message. My dad, actually, I remember when we were small, my dad let us lie down on the pew and go to sleep. And then as I got a little bit older, I would get up in the, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes into the message, I learned to get up, go to, I had to always go to the bathroom, and so I'd go down, use the bathroom, flush it a couple times, comb my hair, get a couple drinks, walk around, go back in. But I tried to do what I could to make it through the message. But again, I, that's my bad not anybody else's. So I know I missed a lot of things, but I think learning to listen, again, takes art. It's hard to be a good listener, all right? So you guys always have the tougher part of the service to prepare yourself to hear what God is saying. And so a survey done by the Air Force, and this is one that we use a lot, but it's just a reminder how difficult it is to hold on to something. And they did this survey, and I think it applies to church as well. And they discovered that after three days, we only remember 10% of what we hear, 30% of what we read, 50% if we hear and read it. But we remember 90% if we hear, read, and do. So obviously, the more you apply, the more you are going to remember, all right? But if all you rely on is hearing, you're not going to remember. Now, one of the stories I love to tell is when I was a young pastor, uh, we would have a fellowship one Sunday night over at a, a, a family's house from uh, Gerald. And as we were over at their house, she was going to compliment me. And how many of you know you always tell the pastor, that was a good message? I mean, and so that night she said to me, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I really enjoyed your message this morning. 
Now, I was young, I, I, so I said to her, what did you like? Because I thought, maybe I'll throw that in again next week. I, what, what do you, I said, what did you like? And she stood there for a minute with a fog look. I could tell her, her, her it was churning up there. I'll never forget, she looked at me after about 15 seconds of silence, and I realized she didn't remember. She said, I honestly don't even remember what you talked about. <laughs> that is the impact of my preaching right there. I mean, it was that night. It wasn't Monday night or Tuesday night. It was Sunday night. She couldn't even remember what I preached that morning. I'm just telling you, we have a tendency to forget what we've heard. So learning to hang on to it is not easy. So again, we forget 90%. That's just after three days, by the way. I don't know what it is after a full week, all right? So again, we have to work hard on hanging on to stuff. And so we need to prepare our hearts. You know, and preparing for a service is important because, again, being a good listener is not easy. It's not easy. And so I use an example sometimes. If I were to tell you next Sunday at 6 o'clock in the morning, if you get here early, out on the parking lot, there's going to be 10 $100 bills come down out of the sky. How many of you would make an effort to get here at 6 o'clock? I tr believe in the, you believe me, all right, if you trust me. And so you go out on the parking lot, and sure enough, here come 10 $100 bills. You get all excited. Way more, you just get excited. Here's 10 $100 bills, and then you realize there's a kind of, a, I call it a manhole. Somebody in the early service said, Pastor, that is not a manhole. It's a drain something. I forgot what he said. I grew up in the city. That's a city boy's manhole, all right? But anyway. So suppose a big gust of wind comes, you're about ready to reach those $100 bills, a big gust of wind comes, blows them right down there. And so you come to me, you're all sad, I came, I got out there, sure enough they were coming down, the wind blew them right down into the hole. And I say to you, well if you go out next week, I'm going to give you one more chance, you go out next week, there's going to be 10 more $100 bills, let me ask you, would you do anything differently? Somebody in the early service said, I would cover the hole. Somebody said it before, I'd get a big net, a butterfly net, and get them in the sky when they start blowing. But obviously, you'd do something to prepare. And I just want to tell you, you know, every time, God, I believe there's not a time we sit down with God's Word. There's not a time we come to church. There's not a time you get involved in a small group that God doesn't want to bless you. But we have to prepare to receive that and hold on to that. And boy, that's where it takes a little bit of work. Jesus, I believe, gives pearls to those who will value them. There's a scripture in Matthew 7. Let's read it together. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. What was he talking about when Jesus was telling the disciples, don't give something holy to dogs, don't cast your pearls before swine? What was he saying? I don't think he was saying not to witness to lost people. I don't think he was saying that at all. But I think he was saying that when you invest your life in someone, why not invest your life in people that really value his word? And, you know, if you think about a dog, how many of you have a dog? Anybody? What's your dog's name? Chip, Chip all right? 
And so let's say that you really love Chip and you're going to do something special for Chip this year. You're going to go out and get Chip a $100 Bible. It's got the words of Jesus in red. It's got all the atlases. It's leather. It's got all the bells and whistles. If you bought Chip that Bible, what, do you, what would Chip do with that Bible? Eat it, all right? Might chew on it. Somebody said one service. They might think it's a paper and wet on it. Now, obviously, a dog could not value God's word. I mean, that's one of those, duh. A pig would not value any pearls. I mean, they would just have no value. And yet, when you think about Jesus saying to them, don't give something holy to dogs, don't cast your pearl before swine, if he was telling the disciples not to invest their life in people that really didn't care, let me tell you this, I don't think he's going to give something holy to someone that does not value it. And it was early in my ministry that God said to me from this verse, Roger, you're the, you're the swine and you're the dog. There's so many times I want to give you something. There's so many times I want to give you something valuable, but your heart really isn't in it. And so I want to say it's not just having a daily time in the Word, but it's learning to slow down and saying to God, God, that if you'll give me a pearl, if you'll give me something of value, I want to honor it. I want to hold on to it. I want to apply it to my life. I will promise you this, that God's going to give more and more insight to those who are good listeners. And that's what he says in Mark 4, to those who listen, more will be given. And so we need to learn to be good listeners. We need to learn to read the Word for fellowship and learn to enjoy the Lord. You know, early on, I would try to read so much a day. And I, I, again, I set my goal so high that I found myself just trying to read to get through the passage. I wasn't even thinking about what I was reading. I believe it's more important to read one verse and really think about it and meditate on it than to read an entire book and your mind be somewhere totally else. So discipleship to me is, again, about a love relationship with God. It's learning to value His Word, learning to be a good listener, learning to read, to enjoy the time with God, the middle finger there, study. I think everyone should be plugged into some kind of a small group Bible study, and there are so many opportunities. There's so many people that have home groups. I think everybody ought to get plugged into something. And then the finger here, the pointing finger, the word memorize. I think memorization for me probably is one of the hardest because I just have a hard time memorizing. I remember a guy taking discipleship class and back in the day I would do a 26-week class. We would memorize two verses a week. And this guy who was probably in his mid-50s said to me, I just want to tell you up front, I cannot memorize scripture. I just can't memorize scripture. But by the end of the 26 weeks, he had memorized 52 verses. That was crazy. But I'll tell you how he did it. He took a blank notebook. I mean, he had a big blank notebook, and he would write the verses out over and over and over and over. And in writing out the verses over and over and over, he was able to remember. And, you know, we're all different. For some of us, it comes easier than others. But having God's Word in our heart is so important because it helps us in times of difficulty. David said in Psalms 119, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. In Matthew 4, Jesus used God's Word as, a, as kind of a sword in times of temptation. 
So all of these are ways, again, that we get God's Word into our life. We can hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. And for many people, the word meditate sounds easier. I mean, all i got to do is think about it. But you know, if you're not hearing, if you're not reading, if you're not studying, if you're not memorizing, it's hard to meditate on something that you do not have in your heart. And by the way, the word meditate means to think about something uh, repeatedly, to ponder something. And let me give you uh, an easy uh, illustration of meditation that you'll remember. How many of you know anybody that worries? Worry is a form of meditation, all right? When can you worry? How many of you know you got to set aside so many minutes a day to worry? The truth is, if you really are worried about something, it's going to consume your life. I mean, you're going to think about it while you're at work. You're going to think about it while you're eating. You're going to think about it in the middle of the night. And so worry is a form of, of meditation, but obviously it's a negative form. You don't want to think like that. But if you get your mind on the Word of God, God promises so many things of success if we'll learn to meditate on the Word of God. And so learning to hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, and then finally to apply God's Word to our life. Learning to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And so in Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount, he said, those who hear my word and do it, they're going to be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Those who listen and don't do are going to be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so the truth is, we're all listening, but those who are going to have the house that's going to withstand the difficulty are those who not only hear, but they're doers of the word. I'm so thankful that God brought a dentist stone into my life. I want to ask you guys, how many of you had an older Christian help you and kind of take you under their wing and just love on you and help you through those early years, that process of growing in your relationship with God? How many of you had one of those people? I want you to look around. I want to say you're incredibly blessed if you had one of those people who invested in your life. I also want to say that we, God wants us to be a part of that process and take people under our wing as well and to help them. And all of us can be a part of that. I want us just to pray together if we can. If you're able, I just want you to stand. I believe God has a word for each of us today. Wherever we are in the process of growing in our love relationship with God, would you let God know that if he gives you that pearl, that you will value it, you will write it down, you will apply it to your life? Maybe you're here today and for the very first time in your life, today's the day that you know that you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I believe it all begins with that personal relationship by asking Jesus to forgive you and realize that he died on the cross for you. Maybe you're here today, you're visiting, and this is where God is leading you to plug in and become a member. We invite you to come. If you 
never been baptized, I believe that's the first step of obedience. Maybe you need someone to pray with you or pray for you.